This episode was recorded on Darawal and Wongal country. I pay my respect to the elders of these lands in which I have the privilege of working, living and raising my child. I extend that gratitude and respect to all First Nations listeners. I just so desperately needed compassion and love and tenderness and understanding from anybody. All of my vulnerability, all of my rawness, all of my pain was on display for anybody to see. I'm going to get to watch my son's first ever breath in this world. Like, isn't that just divine? (sighs) Babe, I can't do this. I can't. The pain is so intense. How do we find true meaning and connection in life? I'm on a quest to meet people who have found connection and meaning in their life. People who make time for something that has value and purpose or makes them feel joyful and alive. I'm convinced that through meeting these people, I'll find one thing I can be doing to bring more connection and meaning into my life. So I quit my job, bought a pop-up camping trailer, and I'm heading off on a journey around Australia to see what other people are doing. My name is Kai, and I'm on a journey towards connection. After 17,032 kilometres, six states and territories, and 13 podcast episodes, I arrived back home in Sydney with only 10 weeks to get prepared for the arrival of our baby. To help my partner Claire and I prepare for the birth, we met with Nancy, a birthing doula on the New South Wales South Coast. Nancy shared with us her journey of connection with herself and the family she supports. She also imparted wisdom and strategies which ended up having a profound impact on the way we approach labour, as you'll hear in this episode. You'll also hear audio of me in labour and a detailed discussion of the death of a baby, which some listeners may find distressing. Nancy sent us this form and she said, have a cuppa and take your time with it and fill it in. I guess was her instructions, probably. <laughs> we don't have a cover. Can I get my glass of water? Yeah, <laughs> baby, get whatever you want. Doesn't she know that when you're seven months pregnant like I am, you can't have a cup of tea because you'll be peeing all night? <laughs> yeah, that's the handy part of being the non-carrying parent. All right, so uh, estimated due date. Ooh, mum's name. Mmm. Mm. Caring, caring parents' name. <laughs> gonna be mum for now. Okay. People you will have attending your birth. What about like a pizza delivery driver? Because we might need, it depends how long the birth goes for. No, what you'll want is a bloody ice cream delivery ice driver. Ice cream delivery. <laughs> You're gonna go more than twelve hours without <laughs> some sort of sugary item yeah so do we like people attending your birth is that just like personal or do we talk about like no no it's just personal okay yeah it's not gonna be like doctor (laughs) well i don't know (laughs) hopefully there won't be a doctor at the birth i'm hoping to just do it with midwives um people attending your birth uh juju he'll be the baby yeah (laughs) labor and birth feelings how are you feeling about labor and birth excited i'm excited about giving birth yeah uh, what's a word for ill-prepared? Maybe that is the word. <laughs> ill-prepared and excited. Maybe that's why I'm excited, because I'm ill-prepared. <laughs> what else? I'm excited. How are you feeling about 
my labor and birth? Um, I'm really excited. I'm a little nervous about my staying power, um, which of course... <laughs> Meaning you're going to leave me halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> In that case, let me change the answer for people you'll have attending your birth. No, no, more of the like standing up. Like you're, you're gonna. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you worried that my birth is gonna be uncomfortable for your body? No. I'll, I'll make sure that they no. bring you a nice, comfy bed. No, no, no. I am concerned that you are gonna be going through the most intense thing. Ever. And it's going to go, understandably, for a really long time. And I'm worried at my at my stamina and my ability to, like, get to the end. Like, obviously, okay, this sounds ridiculous because it's like, you know, I appreciate. There is no way that I would ever talk about this during while this is happening, obviously, as if I'm going to say say to somebody in labour, like, oh, just been standing up for a long time. Can you hurry oh, it up you... because I'm questioning I'm... my staying power. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit tired. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not going to say that. Not out loud. Not if you want to see another day. But you're asking me yeah. how I'm feeling about labour and birth. And if I'm yeah. really honest, I'm like, yeah, standing in a hospital watching you in pain for this incredibly exciting, incredibly nerve-wracking event of, like, my child being born, mm. there's a lot of feelings that are going to be happening and um i'm sure not like adrenaline is just not going to get me through the whole thing so i'm a little nervous about my ability to like be as present and caring for you and ability to like massage your back or like give you all these different options or mm. you know be on for you for yeah. a long period of time like it's yeah. a bit nerve-wracking i'll do yeah. it and i won't talk about <laughs> how right, i'm feeling <laughs> obviously <laughs> But I'm just telling yeah. you now because you're asking and I'm, a, I'm an honest kind of person. I mean, I, I know very little about childbirth, but um, I do think it's probably going to go on for a very long time. So I think that's fair <laughs> enough. And I'll probably be more distracted than you. So, you know. I mean, all this aside, I think I'm going to be a great birth partner. Mm. I just know what I'm like. Yeah, you, yeah, you're very good in a crisis. I'm good in a crisis. This is going to be a big day. Or yeah. days or nights. I'll, I'll try and speed it up for you. The things that I just really want to know are like, what are the things that you actually can do that have been scientifically proven to be useful? And I don't. And and by scientifically proven, I include also like the qualitative data of doulas and midwives, because I think birthing, you know, has been a practice primarily run and managed and supported by women, and there's a lot of wisdom there. And a lot of knowledge. And I think it's going to be interesting to actually kind of move in this space. It's not, it's not a space I've been in before. Yeah. And, I, and maybe this is something that, you know, we could have added to the ideal birth section of the form. But for me, I think an ideal birth or, or my plan going in is to really try to listen to my body and listen to my baby. And, you know, I'm so glad that gone are the days where women were strapped into stirrups and forced to lie on their back. There are a lot more choices for, mm. for people giving birth these days. And so I guess my plan is to listen to my body and trust my body and trust the process and trust the baby and trust that billions of people have been giving birth for hundreds and thousands of years or more. If they can do it, I can do it, right? Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. 
And if they can't do it, well, we're also now in the 21st century and science is pretty amazing. So there's, there's an app that will take it out for me. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's bedtime. Go us for actually doing something, <laughs> planning towards our birth. We didn't actually do anything. We just filled hey, out a hey, form. Hey, 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 that's big progress for us. So well, high five. Well done. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nancy. I've welcomed you into my home and we are in Coromel, which is one of the northern suburbs of Sydney. We're right next to the ocean. We're on Darawal country and it's a really beautiful place to live. We're surrounded by mountains, which we've learnt to climb since moving here. Um, we have beautiful waves to surf and that's where we are. How would you describe yourself to someone that you've never met? I think our identity is so linked to whatever we're doing the most of at the time. So when I'm trying to describe myself, I think it's more about what I'm doing. So the word that really wants to bubble up is that I'm a mother. Like that's the first thing. That's what I spend most of my time doing. Um, But I can also see a time when that won't be my first answer. I'm a yogi and a surfer and I believe in growth and kindness and being vulnerable and I I spend my life trying to help people have better births because I really deeply believe that the way we are made to feel when we birth matters and stays with us and so I'm really passionate about birth and about community and building community and people just feeling better. Can you explain what a doula is? Do you want the boring answer or do you want the fun answer? (laughs) Both. All right, I'll give you both. I'll give you the boring one first. So I'm an experienced, highly trained birth professional. I'm non-medical and my role is to fill the gaps between what the standard Australian medical system can offer you and perhaps what will keep you well and having better, more empowered births. And it's not to say that the medical system can't give you that. It's just to say that there are a lot of gaps between what it offers and what it should offer, what it says it offers and what people believe it offers. And so a doula can come in and act as a bit of a guide to help you access better care to help you figure out in yourself what it is that you really want and what you need and where you can go for that, rather than turning up at the hospital and expecting that they'll just do it all for you and help you and guide you, because that's not what they do, that's not their role. So kind of the fun answer is, imagine if you had someone in your life, a sister or an auntie or a wise woman or friend, best friend, who knew birth, then you knew you could just call them anytime with fears or questions and they would hear you like they would listen and they would help and it wouldn't come with their bias or their own personal stories and they'd really try and help you figure it out you know they'd be there to listen and help you figure it out and they would empower you to do the research you know get the information they wouldn't just tell you to go and get it they'd help you do it they'd sit with you and give you the tools and the strategies to get the information that you need to make the choices that you want to make to have the birth that's going to be right for you and your family. And then on the day, you know, you go into labour and from whenever you need them, they're there. They're right there. They're with you. They're helping you feel calm and relaxed and strong and powerful and 
you know they're orbiting you just like your partner is orbiting you and you're orbiting your baby and together you just have these layers of support where within that you can do the work that you need to do that you know that layer after layer after layer is there with the medical system on the outside of that doula layer to help you really step into the work of birth. You said imagine that you had like a sister or an aunt or a mother who really knew about this stuff. Do a lot of people come to you who maybe don't have that kind of support network or the support network may not be as useful to them in this moment? Yeah, they definitely, definitely, especially for postnatal support. Postnatal support, I think you really do want to call in on that family tribe, you know, that village of, of people that you have around you who want to serve you in that time. I actually don't know that they're the people that most people want to call into their birth space anyway, so it's kind of a hard analogy to use. Do you want to have your sister or your mother or your auntie like in your birth? Like maybe not because that's your opportunity to transform into a, you know, a mother or a parent and really step into this new version of yourself. And so I'm not actually sure that always family are the right people Mm. to have there. But what I was trying to give you is this sense of someone that you can really trust, you know, not a professional like your psych or your GP like someone who you can have a relationship with have accept emotional support from I do walk the journey with you I do become friends with you and walk with you for like a year you can say anything to me Mm. and it not have the complications of you know voicing that fear to someone in your family who can potentially call that back to you forever so walk me through when somebody might first approach you you get a telephone call they've looked you up on the internet What are they usually thinking and feeling at that stage? People will come and call me from all different places. Some places of deep, deep confidence and some of, you know, a lot less confidence and a bit of fear. But that's what's beautiful about this personalised support. It's I'll meet you where you're at. We'll figure out where you want to be. We'll figure out how to take one step after the other to get you feeling the way you want to feel on that day that you have your baby. We are in each other's lives for usually like about a year. So you want Mm. to invite someone into that journey with you, that pregnancy journey with you, who is a really good fit. And I honour that. I, I don't need to take on every client that comes. Like I really feel so much more passionately about the support happening, you know, the better birth happening. That's my outcome. I didn't realise you spent a whole year with your clients. I mean, if you hire me at the beginning of your pregnancy, I'm there for nine months. And then I'm typically checking in quite a lot for six weeks. And then if we do any postnatal support or you like to send me baby photos, which I absolutely adore, like I'm there for a good six months. And that means I take phone calls 24-7. I will show up for you on the phone or in person whenever you need someone to be there for you. And I actually can't speak for other doulas but that's how I practice. I was thinking about the differences between doulas and say the people at hospital who help you deliver your baby the doctors and nurses who are very highly regulated. Yeah I get to work outside of that system. I can say things the midwives can't say. The midwives and the doctors can say things to me to say to the client that they can't say. 
So it is, it's that getting to work in that beautiful space where I've spent a lot of time building a relationship with those clients so that I know them and I know what their preferences are and why and can help them navigate things that might come up in the labor. So it's not that I'm going to speak up for them. It's that I know what they want and why. And so if something arises, I can help them get their head around what's happening. I can help them accept the information a lot quicker than maybe the medical teams can who don't have a relationship so that they can make their own decisions. So going through the minimal pregnancy preparation that I have so far, I keep hearing people say that every birth is different. How different can every birth really be? How different can people be? You know? Yeah. Like we're all different and the way we approach challenge is different and our relationship with ourselves comes out in our birth. Um, let alone like physiology of it. What's our baby doing? What's our body doing? What are our hormones doing? You know, what's my belief system right now? What's the environment doing? Like who's coming in that's making my kind of ancient brain set off and feel unsafe to, to slow my labor down like it's probably easier to list the similarities than it is to list the differences yeah I think it helps to know that it's absolutely pointless having any preconceived ideas about how a birth's gonna go I will tell my clients they're not gonna know how long it's gonna be or how it's gonna feel or what's gonna happen or whether they're going to birth at home or the hospital, no matter what their plans are, who's going to be there, what it's going to feel like, we don't know any of that. Sometimes it just takes time and you need someone by your side who says, you know what, you're doing a really good job. And I know, you know, I know that you're doing a really good job. Been here, seen lots of birth, like, yeah, it feels intense and that's okay, just keep working. Because it is sweaty, grunty, you know messy work and it looks hard and it looks like pain one of the things that I think a lot about is maybe if I was alive 500 years ago a thousand years ago then not only would I have kind of a stronger support network family wise around giving birth but I also think I probably would have seen someone in labor before like I probably would have been a part of or witnessed a dozen births by now. And I think for me going into this, like I'm pretty chill about giving birth, but I think that's mostly because I have absolutely no idea what to expect. And it just comes from pure naivety and ignorance. Whereas, yeah, like if if I lived in a different culture or a different time or place, I would have seen enough that I'd at least know what to expect, at least like to a greater degree than what I do now. And it seems to me, I imagine, that giving birth these days is more of an isolating experience than it would be in other cultures or other times. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And it is that it's hidden. We don't get to see it. We don't get to experience it. And what I often find is that a lot of the negative birth stories get shared mm. more readily than the positive. You know, we'll hear about what went wrong or the struggles. And I think that comes from this really normal, natural, beautiful place to be validated 
and to be heard and if we go through a struggle we really want to hear that we did the best we could you know and it's the same with breastfeeding even you know a lot of negative breastfeeding stories or we hear about when it didn't work we're almost getting this reverse shaming and we should be sharing those stories how we birth matters and how we were born and the stories our mothers told us and our grandmothers told us form the picture of birth and what we believe about birth and if we have a birth culture that allows us to believe that birth is normal and that we can do it and that women do it all the time and that we're strong and capable and it's okay then I think we're much better positioned to go and have that birth so that birth culture what you actually deeply believe about birth what you've been exposed to what you've seen whether that's on tv or elsewhere makes a difference and it's like arguably or presumably one of the biggest experiences that a person or people will go through in their life yeah i mean if you choose to step into birth and view it that way yeah it can be deeply transformational i heard a quote about a week or two ago And it said, um, for the whole nine months, nobody ever told me about the new person I was going to meet. I don't mean the baby. I've met myself. And I was like, that's incredible. I'd I'd never really thought of it in that way. How do you see the transformation changing you? I kind of feel like it's already started. Like, I feel like I'm already a parent. And just recently, someone said something about parenting and I casually replied without thinking, that I've only been a parent for six months. And I was like, ah, I hadn't really realised that I had already thought of myself as a parent until that moment. Yep. Were you already making decisions for your baby? Yeah, and and I know, I already know his movements and when he's awake and when he sleeps. I I can feel him hiccuping. We chat to each other. Mm -hmm. Get ready for it to step up to like a whole new level. (laughs) And the whole relationship dynamic changes, you know, your whole home dynamic changes. So you change, like there's actual neuroplasticity in your brain at this time and you're changing, your brain is changing, but also your relationship has to adopt to change and, you know, bring in a whole new personality. What was it like the first time you were present at somebody else's birth? Oh my God, it's so intense. It is. It's like something enormous is happening because it is. And that hasn't changed. That feeling has not gone away. You know, six years of busy birth work and lots and lots of different situations and complications and outcomes. And it still always inspires awe. It is such an honour and such a privilege to be chosen to be with someone while they're physically transforming and feeling so incredibly vulnerable and powerful. Like these are, this is something we do once, maybe a couple of times in our life. It is strange to grow an entire human, you know? to just go about your daily life eating and drinking and exercising and walking around and sleeping and while you're doing that your body is laying down cell after cell after cell of this human who's going to be an adult and pass on that you know tradition but that's why it's so often referred to as a miracle you know the miracle of life 
And I think it takes the belief that it's special, the belief that it's sacred to see it that way. I was wondering what it feels like in your body or in your heart or in yourself when you leave somebody else's birth. Like, what is it like driving home from something like that? There is a crescendo and there is exhaustion and and emotional calm down. My family know that I'm going to be extremely fragile for about 24 hours after a birth and we have systems in place for that. I will typically like curl up in the fetal position on on my sofa for like 24 hours. Um, I don't think I've ever told anyone that before, but it does just, I've just watched someone can't be born into the world and I've just watched someone kind of split themselves wide open to accommodate that and to make space for that and it's almost like they leave their body for a moment and then come back into everything that happens after a baby's born and by the time I kind of get in the car I need a moment like I just need a moment of stillness myself and I've had a few car accidents on the way home from births and we also now have systems for that. My husband likes me to get taxis if I can because I do I'm just I'm not I'm not present with myself and my higher functioning cognitive self after a baby's been born. It really does change the people around if you're watching and if you're feeling. There's also that come down off the relationship in those last couple of weeks and especially those last couple of days of pregnancy the family and I talking a lot and through that labor journey you know we're very in tune very very connected you know every furrowed brow every sigh every like sharp inhalation of breath like I'm there I'm responding the partner's responding we're all so in sync and then the baby's born and they're busy (laughs) you know and that relationship's kind of been severed all of a sudden and there is that kind of sense of loss afterwards and we stay in touch for a little while and then when they come out of that newborn fog often we'll then pick up that relationship differently And with my postnatal doula clients, I keep coming every week and and that's so incredibly nourishing both for them but also for me. But yeah, it is a crescendo and a come down. So in that way, I guess this work changes you straight after you're in somebody else's labour. How has it changed you as a whole doing this work? So I tend to look at life, I'm going to get emotional, (laughs) life before Eddie and life since. Because it was him that changed me. It was the process of grief, of a child dying, being ripped out of my life, that changed me and made me ready for doula work wasn't doula work that changed me and so to answer that question I kind of have to take a bit of a step back and I look at the person that I was and what I did and how I related to the world before he was born and I really struggled to 
connect. You know, I had friendships and, you know, I was a 20-year-old who, you know, was quite vivacious and yet I didn't really connect with people very easily and I wasn't willing to be vulnerable or let them see me. And on reflection, I think it's because I didn't want to see me. There was not a lot of self-compassion there. And then Edison was born and died a week later and I was just shattered like I was I wasn't myself anymore and I had to pick myself up out of the ashes and like build a new person and I I see connection as kind of like a door and that door can open like a little bit and you can have a little bit of connection it's kind of like this little invitation to kind of get to know each other to connect or that door can just be flung wide open and when Eddie died, my door was wide open. I had no choice. I didn't open it. I just so desperately needed compassion and love and tenderness and understanding from anybody that I was all, all of my vulnerability, all of my rawness, all of my pain was on display for anybody to see. And I learned about vulnerability and through that grief, I learned how to connect with people. I learned what it was like to just be wide open and let people see me. And if they wanted to see me and they liked it and they opened their door, then our hearts could talk to each other. And I now connect with people so easily. I have this memory and it, must have been so soon after he died. For a couple of weeks I didn't leave the house, but I walked down the street from my apartment in Cronulla and the closest shop is the fruit shop. And I'd been going to that fruit shop through my whole pregnancy. They're so lovely, small family business. And I just picked up my bananas or whatever it was I was buying and I was at the counter. And she innocently says to me like, oh, how are you today? And I just looked at her like almost shocked like I don't I don't know how to speak like how am I even supposed to open my mouth right now and I just looked at her and I was like but my baby just died like I have nothing else to say like you want words from me like these are the only words I have and like everyone stops you know and everyone's just in shock like what did she just say (laughs) And I wasn't being that cruel. I just needed a hug. I needed someone to look at me and be like, fuck, babe, that's so horrible. How are you even here buying bananas? And the person in line behind me just turned around and held me, you know? And I just wanted, I just needed compassion and love from like anybody, any warm body, just to fucking hold me, you know? Wrap your arms around me and hold me. And now I find it a lot easier to be seen and need help and ask for help and see when someone else needs to be seen and needs to be heard and not corrected or, you know, shamed, just seen and heard. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to go buy bananas. Like... 
I was just going through the motions. My mum tells me stories about how I used to just say, I don't care. Because with mum, I could, I, f- I felt like I could just say what I needed to say, right? And she'd be like, oh, I'm, you know, in the traffic. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, it became a bit of a catch. I didn't realise, but she told me afterwards it became a bit of a catchphrase. Like, I just don't care. And the only thing I started to care about was that that birth moment that just that message to just hold your kids so tight you know you just don't know how long you've got when did you start caring again and what made you care again I was literally like bed bound we set up our sofa in our lounge room into this big bed and kind of didn't move for two weeks. Food just appeared on the doorstep and I didn't even want to check the text that told me that the food was there. And so some days the food which was delivered hot would just sit outside for way longer than it should have because I couldn't even get up to get to the door. Like bodily functions were like my bare minimum for even moving. And then my husband had to go back to uni. So he had started med school like a month before Eddie was born. So he had two weeks off and then had to go back to school. And I stayed on the sofa for a really long time. I was lucky enough that my midwife, who looked after me through the birth and death of Eddie, put me in touch with Marie Burrows, who's a beautiful, wise woman and counsellor in the space, in the birth and death space. And she basically had me working for her in indoor training within weeks of Eddie dying. And honestly, it was the only thing, like that birth transformation and that love and connection as that baby comes into your life was like the only place that I could fix any meaning. But then connecting in with Marie Burrows and just having like a phone conversation with her and her talking to me about what she could use me for gave me some purpose. Her suggestions and what she was talking to me about, which were birthing women, the women who were coming to her having antenatal classes and then going on to birth and she didn't have anyone to kind of call and check in on them. There was colour there. You know, it, I didn't have that I don't care feeling. So he died at home. We took him off life support and they expected that he would just pass away. And he didn't. He stayed with us for two more days. So he died um, at home in my arms, in my bed. And then we took him straight back up to the hospital. We didn't keep him at home for any longer. We wanted to remember him not purple. And... We were blessed with the opportunity to, you know, watch him breathe and have him in our arms and all those wonderful things that a lot of people don't. But then we drove him up to the hospital and left him there with the midwife. As I was walking out of the hospital without my baby, got in the lift. And there was a woman taking a baby home. And my husband tried to shield me with his body. And I didn't need him to at all because I looked at her and I looked at that baby and there was colour. And I just wanted to tell her, like, just, just hold, 
that baby really tight. You know, just don't sweat the small stuff. Like it's gonna be really, really hard and you're gonna have to try and figure this out, this relationship and breastfeeding, all this stuff, but like, don't even worry about it because you've got them. Because they're there in your arms and you can love them and you can hold them and so just do that. And we got out of the lift and she had a car waiting for her and the baby was being put into the car and all I had was love. Like all I had was this message of love for her. There was no sense of loss. And as I, like the family and friends around me who so desperately wanted to protect me thought I was a little bit crazy. going in and ringing women who were postpartum like the same point as me and hearing their struggles like oh you know baby's crying a bit today and like I'm like fuck like mine just died but I wasn't that isn't at all what my response was my response was just compassion just love them it's okay it's just a season just just pick them up and give them another cuddle like smell their hair a little bit and all that oxytocin will help it all go away you know and so right from the beginning like there was just meaning there. I, did, I didn't even choose it. Like it just kind of chose me. As humans, we don't know how long we've got on this planet. And even if we live a long, full life to a hundred, we still don't have enough time to not connect with each other, to not do something that fulfills us, that we feel like contributes to the world and gives us meaning and purpose. And for me, it was working with people having babies and that changed me. He changed me. Grief changed me. That acceptance and, and openness of my own kind of soul, spirit changed me and brought me to this work and enables me to connect and serve people in this time of life because nothing else really matters. Going back to the time that you were buying the bananas, in episode one of this podcast, my guest Anthony said that he believes that the meaning of life is someone saying, hello, I see you. And I think had you turned around to the woman working at the shop and said, I'm fine, thank you, or whatever thing we're trained to say, then you wouldn't have been seen. And it sounds like what you needed in that moment was to be seen. And in return, you gave the person behind you an opportunity to be with you in that moment. Whereas saying, I'm fine, thanks, and leaving doesn't give anyone in the moment the opportunity to see you or to connect. I I think that's a really powerful visual to be there in that shop and to see that in that moment any one person could have acted in any way they could have pretended it wasn't said they could have shuffled their feet awkwardly and looked away but by the sound of things at least the person in the queue behind you chose to step into that moment with you and I've had all of those responses because that wasn't an isolated incident you know I I really was like out of control if you like and I could not say I'm fine like that wasn't an option and I've had the shuffles of the feed and people literally just turning around and walking away because they don't know how to be with you in that moment I found that parents 
opened themselves and responded and connected in a different way to our friends who hadn't had children yet. It was like bringing your own child into the world opened your heart to even the smallest amount of concept of what that might be like. You know, we can't imagine it. We shouldn't be able to imagine it. But there was a really noticeable difference between the people who were open and able to connect and would open their door to have that pain come into their present moment and those that didn't know how to deal with it at all. Like, even though my son died, I'm so grateful for the person that I am now and for the lessons that I guess I let myself learn about showing up for life. You know, I was so miserable (laughs) in the choices that I was making before he came along. You know, before I was a mother, I was like, I didn't treat myself very well, to be honest. I didn't like myself very much and I did not respect myself very much. And I thought that that was normal, you know, because all the people around me were kind of living the same truth. And we'd go to work and we'd work really hard and we'd go out and we'd play really hard and like all these cliches that you hear. And I was so miserable. I was an um, exec in an advertising technology company and I just felt like I was completely displaced. And I would... (laughs) I had to ride the longer, like the Bondi Junction train station escalator. Oh my God, I would literally walk that thing with tears streaming down my face with like everyone else is walking, right? Like everyone's jostling, everyone wants to be somewhere else. Everyone's in their phone and like just thinking about what's next or where they've been or where they have to be. And I'm just like trudging up those stairs, like nine months pregnant with like tears streaming down my face. And that was just normal. You know, I thought that was normal. I thought that's just what we have to do. We live to work and then we escape from that on the weekend or when we go on holidays. Like, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for learning a lesson at, you know, 32 that that's not okay. Like, we shouldn't be stepping into a day that we know is going to be miserable. That's not okay. And I really want my son to learn that he doesn't have to do that either. You know, I have him in a Montessori style of education and I don't want him to live that kind of 40 hour work week life if that's not what's gonna make him happy. And Eddie taught me that. He taught me not to step into misery and to be more intentional and to be honest and really show up for myself. And my view of my body changed so fundamentally at this time too you know I had had this maiden perception is kind of what it's sometimes referred to in my circles but this young girl the body's to be pretty it's all about how it looks if it doesn't look good it's got no value you know really hard on myself with body image and then I grew a human (laughs) like I grew an entire human inside my body and then went on to like have milk that could feed this baby and obviously I had to go through the stress of not being able to do that but like whoa my body wasn't just to be looked at my body was like this incredible machine 
and had like function and that function over form belief changed me entirely like it just it changed the way I could show up for myself it changed my self respect and and my love and appreciation for my body and what it was capable of and I really did show up as a completely different person after and I, I don't even know that I could tease out like which was growing and birthing a baby and my incredible incredibly empowering birth experience like I, I've been very lucky with two really amazing births and which part of it was having a child die and going through grief like I, I couldn't tell you but the way I show up for the world is now fundamentally different. So if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? I don't know that I could not do birth work. When it stops feeling like it fills me up and it has meaning and purpose and I can make a difference, when it stops feeling like that, I'd do something different. It's funny, because connection's one of those things that we all know what it means. like. Physically, we can connect two pieces of Lego. You can see I'm a mum of a five-year-old. <laughs> like physically, we can see a connection, right? But then there's this abstract connection too that we feel, we don't see it. And it's why I kind of like this analogy of the door, right? Like a wide open door, when you meet someone You've never met them before and you just throw your door open and they throw their door open. It's like magic is happening. It's like when you kind of, you just, you just want to say more and, and you're finishing each other's sentences and you're like, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I feel that too, you know. And you feel that. It's, or you can almost see it, that I can see you and you can see me. And you know what? I can say anything and I think it's going to be okay. It doesn't have to be that kind of sparks flying wild connection, but I like to think of it in extremes, you know, one extreme, which we've kind of touched on a little bit being, oh no, I'm fine, closed door. I'm not willing to connect with you. I'm not willing to have any kind of interaction with you that is meaningful. I'm just gonna stay closed. And maybe that's to protect myself or my time or my energy, or I might open the door a little bit and give you something, or I might, throw my door wide open and we can have those sparks flying. So I think that's the easiest way for me to explain connection. But again, it's abstract, right? Where are the connection points during labour? So what are the different moments that we can connect in general during this process? I really do think that labour gives you maybe one of life's most perfect opportunities for connection with self like not being on our phones right like being completely present paying attention like being really present and you kind of have to do that in labor like if you're doing the work of labor like you don't have a choice yeah so you've got this beautiful opportunity to drop into that physical sensation to like ride those waves and even right from the beginning when it's not taking all of your attention, you're like, oh, what was that? Was that a cramp? Was that crampy? I've read about cramps being the onset of labor. Is that what I'm feeling? And you dive right into that physical sensation and you connect with it. Mm. And then as it builds and gets more intense, like you're really working with 
your body and your breath as an anchor like your breath oh you if you connect into that breath that ebb and flow that in and out it can really act as an anchor to soothe your nervous system to give you a focal point to help you just keep going one more breath and just another breath just get through this contraction You also have this connection opportunity with the people around you, probably your partner who's really providing that love and safety and support and care that you've invited them in for. Whether that's the partner that you love or your birth partner, like they're that rock for you so that if there's anything you need, you know they're there. You don't have to seek outward support. What that lets you do is really go inward and be more present. And drop right into the present moment and connect. You'll often hear people say that birth is like a time warp. Like you have no idea how long things really take or what time it is or anything. And that's like meditation. Like that really is only possible if you're fully connected in that moment. A year ago, if you had said, do you think you'll be afraid of giving birth? I would have said yes. I would have said it is terrifying. I want it to happen quickly. I'd consider whatever meds anybody would give me just to not be present through that labour. But the only reason why I'm starting to look forward to birth is because I now trust my body in a way that I've never trusted my body. My body grew this child. I rationally didn't do anything. Once we put the sperm in me, the rest, my rational brain was just able to switch out. My body has grown this baby. It has moved and changed and twisted and opened up and done all of the things that it's supposed to do in order to create this baby. And as I've said to Claire, like it's it's not just going to build a baby for nine months and then turn around and be like, yeah, see you later. Like, you're on your own. I trust that if it's gotten me this far, like it's going to keep going. It's it's created this baby. It is going to get this baby out into the world for me. And a year ago, I wouldn't have said that, I don't think. Can you tell us about the birth you'd like to have? I want as little intervention as possible. Uh, I know I don't always have control over that though. I don't know. I, I want to learn more about my body. Like I'm really curious Um, I find it fascinating that the baby has such an active role in birth. Um, yeah, I'm approaching it, I think, with a lot of curiosity and a lot of interest. What are the connection points between you and Claire for your labour and birth? Where do you see that they're going to be? I trust Claire wholeheartedly. Um, and I think a lot of the connection will be allowing myself to be really vulnerable, um, which is difficult for me. Um, Yeah, I think this will probably be the time when I've been the most vulnerable uh, in our whole relationship. And so I think allowing myself to hand over control and to hand all of that stuff just over to Claire. Um, And I think I'm really looking forward to actually saying to her, I... I need you and I need you to step in and I trust you to make this decision. How do you feel about Kai giving over that power, that control, that vulnerability in her labour? What do you actually like, tangibly think that's going to look like? There's been lots of moments where Kai's 
mentality during this pregnancy has really helped kind of cultivate my ability to show up in a way that I really want to and not in a like you know in the there's a part of me that maybe um likes to soothe fear with control and like knowledge and like doing things and stuff and anxiety kind of based behavior I think Kai's probably going to go pretty deep inside we've already talked about that like the kind of likelihood that they'll be fairly nonverbal and that's okay when Kai's in those places what they often really need is just for me to be with them so Mm -hmm. physical contact not a lot of questions Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe some soothing physical touch this is the stuff I teach birth partners like Mm. that's all that that's what birth needs (laughs) no questions lots of physical touch my mentality going into it is like hands off hands on like Mm -hmm. you know just kind of go with take the lead when I need to but sort of just really just be somebody that Kai can feel like there's somebody there with them so Mm -hmm. they don't have to think about everything else Mm -hmm. they can just do what they're doing Mm -hmm. and I can do all of the other stuff I think this is your element I think you're gonna have the best day or two days or four hours or whatever it ends up being pretty good in a crisis yeah like you love this stuff I think it changes when it's the person that you love the most in the world Mm. you know I I get to witness some pretty incredible different person sides of people's personalities you know you get these like big beautiful tradie strong guys just weeping and being so incredibly attentive and if you ask them do you how do you think you're going to be at the birth and I often do ask this question they they can't even predict they couldn't not guess how they were going to be at the birth like mm. watch the person who you love most in the entire world look like they'd rather die but trust that they're okay mm. don't try and fix it just say it's okay just tell them they're doing a really good job and like physically protect them from people walking in and out mm. and turning lights on and off mm. and making noise like protect their environment and then like a baby emerges right I often when a baby like takes its first breath I look around I'm, like looking at the baby I'm looking at the birthing parents and like dad is crying and <laughs> looking so proud and mom is like I just need a minute <laughs> I'm so relieved it's over I certainly think watching Kai go through the waves of you know, the power of the pain that you're going to be moving through is going to be a hard thing to Mm. not want to respond or react to Mm. with some sort of urgency. But that's one of the good things about having these conversations, just knowing, oh, this is just not my job. I'm pretty good when other people are not okay being okay. Yep. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to be an absolutely incredible support person well hopefully I can live up to all the hype but um... (laughs) I will spend hours sitting down with a couple trying to get the answers to this fundamental question and it's really looking at like what's important to you so how can you step into a room with people that you don't know and have them interface with you in the best way the way that works the best for you So what you need to figure out is what's important to you and what you need and what really matters and what you kind of really care about 
And that can be really hard when it's all unknown. You don't know what labor or birth is going to look like. So we kind of break that down a little bit. But then also looking at what are the obstacles, right? So if we figure out what you want, then we can start to look at like what might get in the way, what might interrupt that, what obstacles may arise or what triggers do you know already exist that can get in the way of that. And then we write all those down too. If you can figure out a way to combine those things, like what's really important to me and what do I know is going to like trigger me or might kind of complicate things, then you can start to form a document that articulates very clearly in one page to someone how they can serve you. I want us to remember, like not to be afraid of it, not to shut it down, but just to be like, this is fascinating. Like, let's be curious, let's be interested, let's laugh, let's enjoy it. I don't want us to wish it to be over and I don't want us to consider it just a chore to get the baby. Like I want it to be an event. Yeah, even though it will be painful and probably scary and stressful I still want it to be an event it will be an event no matter what you do mm. as I said like I honestly believe that labor and birth is one of life's greatest opportunities for connection yeah it really is and since this is your passion at the moment like you want to step into that mm. and it isn't you know it is an experiment and it yeah. is an adventure yeah. And so learning, like figuring out what it is that you already do, those tools, those internal tools that you already have inside you and talking about those and articulating them even just to each other can really set you up for being okay in the moment. Just do a bit more prep so you feel like you can be present this time. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you never have your first baby ever again. You're never going to go through the parenting, early parenting learning curve ever again like this is your time and you're never going to be transitioning through the maternity system for the first time Mm -hmm. ever again like this is it this is that one time where you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. I get a lot of calls from people saying I'm never doing that again that way that I did it last time Mm -hmm. like goodbye to that naivety I'm going to take more responsibility to figure out what I need to know before I step in Mm -hmm. and like you've got the next little bit of time to figure out what it is that is actually going to stay with you forever because our births stay with us forever our births stay with us for the rest of our lives even though the details might get a little hazy but what you've really helped me to consider firstly I noticed that I was like yeah handing over a lot of power to the medical system and to midwives and not seeing it as an opportunity for Kai and I to practice our relationship as parents and to practice our relationship as partners. And that for me is motivating. Whereas prior to that, I was like, well, you know, like I want to learn things and read things and whatever, but I was still positioning myself as more powerless in, in the interaction with the kind of birthing of the baby. Not not even as the person who isn't giving birth, but actually just as an interaction with the medical model and think we're just sort of ingrained to sort of follow sort of medical orders and advice or to see people with more expertise and always mm-hmm. assume that we can't have the same kind of contribution to that experience. So mm-hmm. I think that's been one of the biggest takeaways mm-hmm. is... Yeah, stepping in and taking a bit more responsibility and accountability for how I want to be. The other thing is, like, even on our to-do list around preparing for birth, initially it started off with, like, read this book, listen to this podcast. It was all very much about taking information. 
and only now have I added to the to-do list like about how to process that information but it all suddenly switched from being this passive learner to this active participant in a way that it hadn't before mm. speaking to you has inspired that because mm. you haven't been like here's all of this information every time you've spoken to us you're like well what do you want <laughs> who are you for you who are you how do you do oh. things normally what yeah. are you normally like and you're like oh yeah of course like we're going to be the same people in that place that we are already like yeah. why would we not be drawing on what we already know and I just can't believe I hadn't it just hadn't even really yeah. occurred to me because mm. again the idea of birth being alien mm. and separate and unknown mm. I think I was just working from this assumption that there was nothing I had already that I could bring into that space that would be useful one of the best things that might come out of this apart second to a baby is the opportunity to learn about myself mm. and as I said before pregnancy is already created this new relationship with my body and now I think I can also have this new relationship with not just my body but myself if I choose to really explore that and, and open up that opportunity so mm. going back to that quote I heard around I'm going to meet somebody new I think I can start to meet that person now mm. in a way that I wouldn't have had I not gone down this journey had I not gotten pregnant so I think I might seize this opportunity seize the day to go and find to go and meet someone new feeling uh very tired <laughs> it was a, a second very long night in a row uh with contractions all night yeah uh how are you feeling right now driving to hospital to potentially i don't know bring a baby home today tomorrow the next day i don't know how do you feel i feel so excited i feel so 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 excited how about you <laughs> less excited <laughs> maybe if you'd asked me three days ago I would have said excited but um, I feel like I'm a little bit more aware of what I'm in for I think I just want him out in the world now I think I'm, I think I'm a bit done yeah fair enough I'm glad that it's finally kicking into gear Juju's been uh, taking his sweet ass time to get here ten days overdue and <laughs> We are going in for an induction, uh, despite having signs of early labour for the last two nights. Uh, the contractions haven't been close enough together to do it naturally at this stage. And I can feel him wriggling and see him moving right now. So maybe he's... Excited too. Yeah, maybe he's hearing and he's ready to go. He's like, come on, open the door, I'm coming. <laughs> I can't get out. You keep telling me to leave and there's no exit. <laughs> Wait a minute. Ah. Motherfucker. Ah, fuck. Contraction. Yeah, I'm trying. Ah, my stomach's in the way. I can't lean forward. Ah, motherfucker. Ah, Jesus. Ah. Oh, okay, it's passed. Oof. Ah. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good times. I'm going to leave part one right there. To hear me in labour and find out what happens, tune in to part two. Keep going, keep going. A bit harder in the bottom. Keep going. Good light hair. Come on. Hey, Juju. Yeah, he's making sounds. 